When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. This episode contains some strong language. Hello and welcome to the Voices of the Vic podcast with me, Mark Duffy and Ben Aysen. And as well, we're joined by James Batchelor from Watford Way. Uh, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a fun one to dissect this one. Ben, we'll start with you. Football aside a minute. How's, I know you've been a bit unwell. How has your week been, mate? Hello, mate. Um, yeah, feeling much better than I did. Um, last podcast, I mentioned that my little girl was ill. Um, I actually ended up being ill off the back of that episode um, and I had to go for a COVID test and that because um, I couldn't go into work because I was um, showing symptoms of COVID. Um, but luckily, that came back as negative. And basically, I've just been sitting on the toilet the last few days as well. So, and then with yesterday's um, nerves as well, I felt even worse than what I did the previous days. But yeah, I'm feeling much better this morning. So yeah, on the on the road to recovery now. Um, how are you doing? Um, how many beers did you sink last night? <laughs> Do you know what? I, uh, I lost count. I, uh, I really did. Count. <laughs> and that was before the match started. But yeah, just um, glad to hear that the... Covid test come back pos- uh, negative. Sorry, um, <laughs> positive. But, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no, um, it's it's going well. Um, I absolutely hammered Easter like in terms of Easter eggs and, and alcohol. So I had quite a uh, a sort of mountain to climb this week just gone in terms of training but I um I managed to maintain the weight so I didn't gain any I didn't lose any so I'll, I'll take that um, yeah definitely so yeah it's uh it's all going well here but yeah last night was a uh, was a bit of a heavy one watching that I, I I need yeah it's just so so stressful watching us that was probably the first game for me where the nerves kicked in thinking we mm. need to win this and it would be massive so yeah but thankfully we uh we got over the line and uh and last but not least James how's your week been I know you did a um a live watch along if if you guys haven't watched it already make sure you head over to the uh Watford Way YouTube channel and give it a like and a comment and watch for James's hilarious reactions to the goals <laughs> I, honestly, mate, I was in, I was in tears watching it this morning. But yeah, how how's your week been, mate? 
Oh, you know what? I'm feeling the best I've felt in, in quite a long time. I mean, the, the what result probably helps significantly, but but yeah, really, really happy with that. And and yeah, I'm, I'm not doing I'm not doing too bad, Mike, at all. Good stuff. Good stuff. That's what we like to hear. Right. With the team moves, we was sort of me, as you would have seen, me and Ben put our team predictions out, and uh, I think the only difference between mine and Ben's were Ben. I think you expected Pedro to sort of keep his position, whereas I not necessarily wanted this to happen, but I thought was going to happen. I thought success would maybe come in because João Pedro, obviously, he was carrying a knock. It was a surprise to see him start against Middlesbrough, but then it looked like your message got through to, uh, to Cisco because we were unchanged. Were, were you happy with that? Yeah, you, you can't not be happy with that. Really pleased with that line-up. That's the strongest 11 that we've got available at the moment. And if you want your front three to get back into form, you need to start playing them. Um, together you can't just keep chopping and changing so I'm glad that Cisco actually stuck with his guns yesterday and carried on playing the front three and um, I don't think it's the right time to maybe experiment and try and play people into form like Isaac Success and Andre Gray I think you've got to carry on playing Joel Pedro through the middle because sooner or later it will click for him yeah yeah massively and and James just on that team moves is there any changes you would have made or were you happy that it was not touched uh, I'm not. I'm not surprised, really. I think. I think that's this. I think that's this goes. You know, probably looking at that team, thinking that that's the strongest team he's got available to him at the moment. So I wasn't really surprised that that he went unchanged. And there was a little bit of talk in the week um, about maybe potentially changing Truce de Kong. Um, you know, for another centre back potentially. But but apart from that, um, you know, I wasn't really surprised with, with the team he put out. And and yeah, I, I was quite happy with it overall, personally. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's funny you mentioned Trusacon because I'm sure we'll get in, get onto him at some stage in this podcast and, and what might happen in uh, in the next. Well, few it wasn't games. his best of games, was it? No. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he's he's passing. Uh, your comment made me laugh, Ben, saying I didn't think I'd find someone a defender as bad as passing as Britos, but you think you found him now in the in the form of Trooster Kong. But, uh, I actually got quite a few likes of that, so I think yeah. a lot of people agree with me on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but afterwards, I did defend um, Truce Econ as well, because you, you, I think it's just the passing that mm. is a big um, error in his game. I think his leadership... Um, his pace at the back, his tackling, his positioning, it's all brilliant. And if it was just his passing, I think he'd be a top-draw defender. Yeah, and let's not forget, he was the one that instigated the uh, the the meeting between the, the players yeah. as well. So massive, massive respect for that. And that shows his leadership qualities, absolutely. Um, obviously, going into the game, we were all nervous for a reason. Reading uh, pushing for a playoff spot. They've made things a little bit difficult for himself with losing now because if Bournemouth beat Coventry today, then uh, Reading are out the playoffs. But that playoff spot, those playoff spots are, are hotting up because... It, you know they they could miss out entirely, but we we knew what to expect from Reading. You know they've they've got some brilliant players in their squads. Elise, uh, is it Ajaria yeah. as well? So Ben, what was you expecting from this Reading side going into the match? I was expecting a threat. I thought it was going to be full of goals um, yesterday. I was I didn't think Watford were going to keep a clean sheet because of a threat that you just highlighted from that Reading team. They can create something out of nothing and they've got the players that could play probably at a high level and I don't think they're going to be at Reading at the end of the season. Um, Elise, what, what a talent he is. He ran the show yesterday. I think that's one of the 
um, best individual performances that the Vic was seen this season. It's definitely up with with um, De Silva of Brentford and maybe Barry Bannon as well. Them, them three players individually have absolutely torn us apart at Vicarage Road this season. So, yeah, I'm really impressed with him. And it, I wouldn't mind us making an approach for him at the end of the season. Well, you mentioned... Are you- you mentioned Elise there, Ben. He's got an eight million pound release clause. That's, that's nothing now. That's days. what the athletic understands. Uh, and I must shout my brother out to that because I saw that he was in conversation with someone on Twitter and he says, Doesn't Elise have an eight million release clause or something hilarious like that? And then uh, I looked it up and uh, lo and behold, he put a screenshot up as well. Um, and he's <laughs> so, yeah, eight million is nothing, as you say, is it, Ben? No, nothing at all. And I think I read a few weeks ago with the Athletic as well saying that Reading have literally they've pumped so much money into this season and wages and transfer fees as well. If they don't get promoted this season, they aren't they have to um let players go and get people off wage bills. So yeah, I won't be surprised if they do lose a lot of players. I'd even maybe look at Liam Moore. I think he's a fantastic defender. He's mm. done well, hasn't he? You know, considering he was at I think he I remember him well at Leicester. And then I think he went yeah. to Brentford or maybe the other way around. Um, and that, yeah, he's he's really solidified his place. And just whilst you're on that note of Liam Moore, I just want to say it's absolutely disgusting to see the racial abuse that he received on uh, social media yesterday after absolutely. the game. Um, there, there is no place for that whatsoever. And you know, you, you've seen the likes of Swansea. I think Birmingham are doing it. Um, I think Thierry and Rees done it. Um, the clubs are starting to completely come off social media now because of the abuse that's being bandied around, and it it's just getting worse and worse every week. So. Um, yeah, there's absolutely no place for that whatsoever. Um, I don't get what people get out of it. Yeah. It, it, it's completely needless. You don't need to do it. it it's, no. it's disgusting behaviour. There's no need for it in society, let alone football. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely, completely agree. And, you know, I, I don't want to give them any more airtime because it's, it is out of order. So, um just steering back in the direction of the game itself, obviously we knew what threat we were coming up against. And James, it weren't a bad start, really. You know, I think the first real effort we had, we've seen Jao Pedro do this quite a lot, where he yeah. likes to curl the ball. And unfortunately for him, it was always curling past Raphael's post. But um, it, it was a it was a good start for Watford. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, we really come out of the blocks um, really quickly, actually. And, and, and you know, we've seen Jao Pedro getting into that position many times before. You know, we've seen Annette Russell, um, you know, a few times when he's done that. But but it was it was quite unlucky, really. I thought I thought it was a decent effort. I thought the angle was was quite tight for him to to actually shoot from. Um, but actually, I mean, that that was an early sign of the space that that we'd have him behind that Reading defence and. I compare that to, to the Middlesbrough game where they were so deep, they were so tight and they were so hard to break down. I actually thought playing Reading and the expansive football that they play, I think it actually benefited us. And in terms of the football we played, it was a lot easier for us to play against Reading than it was Middlesbrough. So, so yeah, I think I think that Jean-Pedro early chance was a sign of, of the rest of the chances that, that would come to us throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, and, and like I said, Ben, there, you know, we, we saw him curl that one wide there and he had a similar effort against Birmingham, which Everidge produced a good save and then Simmer was able to sweep up. Do you think, you know, just with the little bit of barren form he's in at the moment, do you think on another day he would have put that in or? Uh, he's doing everything right. Um, 
off the ball at the moment and getting in the right positions and having these chances. It's just just not quite falling through at the moment. But we've got to remember, he's 19 years of age. Yeah. This is his first full season in the Championship. I think he's doing a, a superb job to yeah. even have nine goals this season. I think maybe he put himself under a bit of pressure at the start of the season when he said he wanted 15 goals. Like it, it, like you said before, um, it's very rare for strikers to come out publicly to say how many goals they want in this season. And once you've done that, there's fans on your back thinking, come on, you wanted 15. Why haven't you got 15? So I yeah. think it, it, I think he's doing superb this season. So I'll, I'll, if he finishes the season on nine goals, I wouldn't have anything bad to say about Joe Pedro because I think he's, he's, he's done superb this season. What a talent and he's only going to get better. Yeah, yeah, I think to highlight what you've just said, the fact that it is his full first season in English football and he's, he's got nine goals to his game, uh, to his name, sorry, and he has improved his all-round game and, you know, you've seen improvement. He's leading the line for Watford. Yeah. The 19-year-old in the Championship was probably one of the hardest leagues in the world, yeah. um, most physical leads in the world, possibly, and he's leading the line. He, he probably mm. don't speak the language very well either, so the communication as well, but it's just the understanding of the ball that he's got with the other players and him linking up well with Saar and Sam on both flanks, the interchange, him linking up with Zinconigo and Husey. Mm-hmm. He, he's just remarkable. Yeah, no, he really, really is. And, you know, as you say, he's only going to get better. And I love the way that he'll drop deep, he'll win the ball back and then try and play others in. And then we've got a counter-attack on the go. And, you know, you're not waiting for maybe Troy to try and bust a gut to get in the, the, the box because he's, 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 he's quick as well. So I, I am... I'm I'm really really impressed with João Pedro and every striker goes through these sort of runs, but I've got no doubt in my mind that he will break that sort sort of scoring barren run. Uh, and what a place to do it than Kenilworth Road next week. I'm calling it now because he got the winner. I know it was a scrappy goal, but he got the winner in the uh, the reverse fixture. So yeah, um, but yeah, as as I said, you know, we we started really well and that's what we had to do against a team like Reading. If we could get that first goal which we have done so often this season at the Vic. And also as well, I like to highlight the graphic that Sky put up. If we could get a goal in the first 15 minutes before the game, we'd scored 14 goals in the first 15 minutes of games. The next best team was Brentford with 10, I want to say. Well, let's just say that ended up 16 because on the 12th minute, Ishmael Asar, where's he pulled that out from, James? A left oh, footer just... that only I could produce with my left foot. And Sarah's <laughs> no, joking, uh, a left footer, and he's absolutely <laughs> bolted it. And I'm just thinking, what on earth is going off here? And I was like, I was in awe, and you know, watching your reaction back as well just topped it off. Oh, yeah, I mean, it was such an unbelievable finish, especially you know, he, he cut in, so he got in behind Gibson, then he cut inside, and he kind of bent it into that top left, top left hand corner. There wasn't too much power on it, but there was just enough to get it past the keeper. The precision on it was, was excellent. There's not really much else I can say about it. It was just such a fantastic strike. And, you know, that's that's probably been my only critique of his Milesar this season, his, his actual finishing ability. I think at times he can probably be um, a bit more clinical with, with the chances he's got, but but he made that for himself. And, and, and yeah, what a strike that was. It was absolutely unbelievable. And that partnership again linked up there, Kiko and um, Kiko and Saar. You know they they continue to to be levels Absolutely. above, and it's brilliant to see. Now, Ben, obviously that goal was great, but my God, 
two minutes later. Jesus Christ. I'm surprised the stanchion beyond the goal didn't break. It was <laughs> an absolute thunder bastard. Like, oh my God. I couldn't believe it when he hit it, Ben. Like, can you even put that into words, Sar's second goal? No, I was quite stunned when it went in. I couldn't believe it went in. One minute, 45 seconds after the last goal went in. Um, so we've seen this before with Watford. We do like quick, scoring quick succession goals, don't we? Um, I think the last time it was maybe that close was Wolves away when we was in the Prem. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, absolutely fantastic strike from him. But it, it was Chalobah that broke up play in midfield. Um, I think Gibson was dwelling on it in midfield, won the ball back. Um, Zink and Eagle on the ball, drives to the box slides it into Sartre and he unleashes the fantastic strike that just fizzes past the keeper. Keeper couldn't get anywhere near it. Um, no. It was so quick, it just went past him. I'd, I'd like to see how many miles per hour that strike actually was. Um, but yeah, a, a, a confident Ismail Sartre is absolutely unplayable and you just saw how confident he was with that strike. But I must yeah. say, going back on the first goal, mm. That, that strike, I think, was probably better than the first one just because it was on his weaker foot. Yeah. And for him, to, and he's normally quite rash in front of goals where he normally just smashes it or he, yeah, he doesn't really do like a finesse shot. And to do that with his left foot and curl it into the top corner, I thought that was quality. Yeah, yeah, the technique on the first one, like you say, with the weaker foot as well, compared to the second one. Like, take nothing away from the second one. My God, yeah, it was a, it was a definitely strike. Not. But yeah, um, that that first one was was brilliant. And I think, based on what would come next, I, I think really it was good that we got that two goal cushion. Um, now <laughs> Just... I'm never confident, even you know, even if we went three 0 up, I'd still think Reading will turn this round. Reading will turn this round. Two 0 up, you'd think, okay. We're um we we're all right here, but then come the Reading wave and James, they they were really really knocking on the door, um but at the same time, without really testing Backman in the goal, I think the first real chance that they had was mm. in the thirty third minute when George Puskas, I mean. <laughs> I'd have put that in. My, in fact, my cat is sat next to me whilst I'm recording. She's <laughs> telling me right now she'd have scored that. Like, <laughs> I don't know how he's missed that. That Like, Puskas has missed that, but it was a massive let-off. But from from going 2-0 up, the way Reading responded, that was, that, that, that was the Reading sort of attacking prowess that we was expecting, wasn't it, James? Oh yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, that's exactly what what I expected them from from minute one, really. Really, and I'm surprised it took them that long to to, to get going. You know, after after we scored um, the second goal, especially. I mean, Reading really come into their own, and and yeah, you mentioned that George Puskas chance. I mean, I think Trista Kong was actually the player who just got in front of him, and I think he put him off just enough. Um, and and obviously he he hit the post from that chance and and yeah as you say he really should have made it two one at that point and then you're kind of thinking oh what for the quite comfortable at two nil um, you know during the game but but as soon as it goes to two one you know that's that's squeaky bum time there and, and there's quite a long time of the game to go there about sixty minutes um, if he makes it two one at that point so yeah I mean it was absolutely a huge let off for for Watford yeah I know I mean I know. Ben, you've been poorly, and you, your stomach's been playing up, and 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 whatnot. I think it probably would have been even worse had that goal gone in, and we were clinging on to a two-one. But I just want to talk about as well, Ben. Obviously, the the Reading really knocking on the door, and that was their first real chance. But I thought yesterday we were. It wasn't just truce to Kong like we spoke about. There was a couple of times that we were really sloppy in possession and give the ball away. Do you think that sort of shows that that international break really has sort of maybe buggered us a little bit. 
Yeah, we were our own worst enemy in that first half yesterday. Too sloppy on the ball. Um, Possession-wise was poor. Um, we was putting ourselves under pressure, weren't we? I think True yeah. Econ and Serie A were probably the most guilty for losing the ball in possession yesterday. Both their passing was pretty poor. I thought Chalaba was dwelling on the ball in midfield and getting caught in possession as well. All, we all even saw from our own mistakes, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And it, like, even Hughesy lost the ball in midfield yeah. and that was that's unheard of. But um, yeah, it was just... It was all needless, wasn't it? And it was all putting us on the back foot. If we didn't do that, we like most Watford games we've watched recently, like you both would probably agree, we've had control of the games. Yep. Yesterday, we didn't really have control of the game and we were just letting it slip and then reading into the game. And like you say, if Reading took these chances, it would have been a completely different game. So maybe the two goals from Saar maybe knocked the confidence out of them a little bit to be that more clinical in front of goal. Yeah, I would say so. Because... You know, the way we were playing, it's not like the Watford we've seen. I think you're absolutely spot on that with Ben. As you know, we've we've looked like controlling most games this season. You know, even the Bournemouth game, I think we had a spell for the first 20 minutes or so uh, where we looked like we could score a few goals here. And the problem mm. was the last few games since the turn of the international break, we've complained that we've not been clinical enough. We were probably clinical last night. Or clinical, yeah. Yeah, but we were careless in possession and the rest of the game. So yes, we've fixed one problem. We've been clinical, but we need to keep consistent. So yeah, it, it is, it is, a. It, it was difficult last night. And well, Mike, feels... I do have a stat to show how clinical we were actually, mate. Please, uh, please share with James us. James has joined the stat group. I know, Come yeah, on. I've got a bone to pick with you, son. You putting out <laughs> stats on your... Shout out to Adam from, from Watford Opinions, because he was actually the one, um, he told me about this stat last night, but obviously... Uh, so it's um, not yours. Yeah, well, not my stats. Stolen. Stolen yeah. But I'll, I'll, I'll take the credit for it. Yeah. Um, so we got we get to half time, right? Mm-hmm. The expected goals for Red for, for oh, Don't, don't because nor, expected nor, goals is stupid, man. But yeah, carry on, sorry. 0.3 expected goals for Watford, Mike. Expected goals for Reading, 1.4. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, but to be honest, mate, I, I, I'm not a big XG sign of, kind of bloke, and I think it's a load of bollocks if you ask me. It, <laughs> expected, it, it, no, it is. It is. Right, uh, yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm with you. I, I don't like it either. Uh, I, but yeah, carry expected on. Goals, like, I'm not I'll tell you what it shows. It shows the quality of chances that have been created. I mean, I, I listen. I don't know how it works, but surely that. <laughs> Expected goals for that Puskas one would have been what zero point nine nine, the highest one you can get without it actually counting as a goal. <laughs> no, I don't know. It, it's just and listen, there might be people that listen to this that are like really into it, and and that's not a problem. I, listen, I, I love my stats as as we know, but um, we, we love a stat on this show. We haven't said that for a while actually, Ben. Um, but. I, I just can't get into this XG bollocks. Like it just, it's not, it doesn't work for me. So uh, I think it's but, been given the wrong name. I think, I think it's been branded under the wrong name because I think expected goals. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I think, I, I think it should be called um, like big chances made or, or, so, or something like that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, I'm, I'm trying. If this to was a committee of a five-year-old, probably yeah. <laughs> Big chance oh. in games, we should call I've it. Been, I've been rolls off the coming top. out of this stat. I'm going to be quiet next time. <laughs> no, no, I'm joking, mate. Um, 
Talking of expected goals, um, Shah almost had a first half hat trick, didn't he? Um, yeah, but that was another big chance made. Yeah, big, big chance made. That that's hit, that goes in the box for big chances made. Um, <laughs> pinpoint delivery from Messina, wasn't it, James? We'll come back to you on this, James. Uh, pinpoint delivery from Messina, and it's just a shame Shah was offside because I think he warranted a hat trick last night. Oh yeah, absolutely! It's a great cross by Messina on that left-hand side, and yeah, he was—he was literally just off by. It looked like looked like a shoulder, and and you know, great decision by the linesman to to spot that. Obviously, I'd hope he didn't spot that, but but yeah, I mean, another great finish from Saar. That was goalkeeper couldn't couldn't save that either, and um, and yeah, I mean, very very unlucky not to get the hat trick last night. He had a few more chances during the game that I'm sure we'll come to a little bit later as well. Um, but yeah, great delivery by Messina. Just a shame that that it wasn't his third. Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, he was off by what probably like a nap snacker, really. So um it, it was it was very, very close. And yeah, on another day, you know, the, the linesman might not have put his flag up. But um yeah, it, uh, that really would have killed the game off. Um and then again, I think Truster Kong misplaced the pass. I think it was Maytay that got through and luckily for us. Maytay left his shooting boots in, in Berkshire because he, he'd hit the side netting and, and didn't really trouble Dan Backman. Uh, but again, you know, it feels weird saying this because Reading are that type of team that you'd expect to take the chances. But against a more clinical side, we'd have been stuck in the mud at half time there. We'd have given them, we'd have, we'd have gifted them two goals, I would say maybe even three. So, you know, luckily for us, when you look in, you look in. We were clinical, but we were wasteful in possession. So at half-time, uh, we were two goals to the good, thanks to Ishmael Asar. 41% possession for Watford, 58 for Reading. 10 shots for Reading in total, only th- uh, three of them on target, whereas we had six shots and two on target, two on target, two goals. Uh, one corner for Reading, uh, none for us. Um, and then 181 passes for us, and then 253 for Reading. So, Ben, obviously at half-time, um, and also as well, Chalaba picked up a little bit of a knock before half-time. Uh, so we were hoping that he was going to be all right. But I'm sure we'll get onto this in a minute. Going into half-time, then obviously two goals to the good. Did you think we need a third to kill this off? Or was even though we were a bit wasteful in possession, did you think we, we should be all right now? Uh, not really a third. I just thought we needed to sort ourselves out because we was too sloppy um, going into... Well, first half, we was too sloppy... Um, very, very lacklustre in possession and we was our own worst enemy, like I said earlier. Um, so we really needed to maybe see what Cisco could do here. Um, we needed a change at half-time. It, it was unfortunate that Chalaba was injured or picked up a knot, but I don't think we saw the best of Chalaba yesterday. That might have been because he was carrying a slight knot maybe going into the game and wanted to try and play through the pain. Um, but I don't think that really worked for him yesterday. But um, yeah, we needed to see what Cisco could do here because I was a little bit critical of him last week saying that um, he was outcoached by Neil Warnock and Neil Warnock got one above him. So we, we, we needed to see what Cisco can do. Uh, and we, we certainly saw it at halftime yesterday. I thought that what, what he said incredible. at halftime was incredible. Um, the substitution, it would have been easy for him to bring on Dan Goslin. Everyone on Twitter was calling for Dan Goslin to come on for Chalaba. Or, yep. or come on for Zinkwin Eagle because I must say Zinkwin Eagle was a walking red card in the first half um, yes. picked up an early yellow card and then he, he kept on making challenges mm-hmm. uh, I don't know how he kept getting away with not picking up a second yellow card um, so yeah a lot of people were calling for Dan Goslin to come on to replace him but no it was Carlos Sanchez that came on and and he just sorted us out straight away um, best performance very- we've seen in a Watford show and I know that's easy to say because 
we've only really seen 15 minute 20 minute cameos here and there but yeah he he was like you as I'm sure you were probably going to say he come on and he just controlled that midfield brilliantly and he calmed the game down personally yeah yeah, no, definitely. He just calms things down, doesn't he? And he, he just, it's a simple ball all the time. Um, nothing, nothing silly. Um, I think his passing's good. I think he, he just gets stuck in, isn't he? he he's like 100 miles per hour. He wants to win the ball back. And you saw that in that full-blooded challenge that he had with Liam Moore yesterday. Yeah. Um, 50-50 ball. And he wasn't pulling out of that. He, he wanted that ball. He wanted to win that. And, and for him to shake it back off and didn't even get the training to come on as well just shows how tough he really is. La Roca. Um, but yeah, <laughs> fantastic. And he's, he's just proving that because no one wanted this signing. Let's all admit it. No one wanted us to sign Carlos Sanchez when we all heard about it. We was all like, why do we need him? Why do we need a 35-year-old? Watching him play, he doesn't look like a 35-year-old. Um, I know his contract's up at the end of the season, but I would consider that for another season um, because it's been fantastic. And to compare him with maybe a signing that we did in the last promotion season that was right at the right time and it just, he just got on with it. Matthew Connolly. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to say Ben Watson then, but uh, Matthew Connolly, yeah, he he come in and he was just what we needed. He was sort of the, the missing jigsaw in 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 the big puzzle piece. Yeah, really. the, the bit part player who who came in, he wasn't playing all the time, but when he was called upon, did absolutely fantastic job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, completely agree. Um, and James, you know, anything to add to that really? Because as as Ben said, when the signing of Sanchez was announced. It, it from the outside looking in, it perhaps wasn't the most exciting transfer. You, you bring in a 35-year-old midfielder mm. who's just come off the back of an ACL injury from West Ham. And, but to be fair, you look at the other side of his game, you look how many appearances he's made in the Premier League, how many appearances he's made for his country. So it, it, is that the Carlos Sanchez that we saw come on yesterday, the one that's made his 88 appearances for his country or however many it is and the, the Carlos Sanchez that's racked up all these Premier League appearances. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and and when he signed, I mean, it's quite funny. I, I did about a half an hour stream on YouTube, basically um, half an hour of, of me ranting about the signing and, and listing every reason possible why I didn't want him. And looking back <laughs> at it now, it's quite embarrassing. It's quite embarrassing looking back at that now, actually, because, you know, I can sit here today and say he's been a fantastic signing for us so far. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wasn't very happy with, with the deal at all when it happened. But yeah, he's, as Ben said, he slows down um, the game to his own tempo. He's got fantastic strength, good passing ability as well. And he is a leader as well. And yeah, he has good English actually as well. I mean, I've watched a couple of interviews with him as well. He does have good English. I know he's got a couple of friends at Watford from from previous clubs as well, so, so I'm sure that helps him out too. Um, but yeah, he's been absolutely fantastic, and I wouldn't be surprised actually if maybe he's starting to push um, for a starting spot. I mean, who he replaces, I've got no idea. That's up to Zisco yeah. to decide. But but yeah, I mean, he, he's doing fantastically well when when he makes cameos off the bench at the moment. Yeah, if, if Chalaba wasn't fully fit, I know they're saying that he he possibly would be right for Luton. Would you would you start Sanchez after seeing that performance yesterday? Because I know I was. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, you you obviously got Dan Gosling on the bench to choose from as well. But as as Ben said, everyone on Twitter at half time, including myself, was calling for Dan Gosling to come on. And you kind of look at Dan Gosling as that option. You know, previously at Bournemouth, that's that's kind of who you look to as that first option to bring off the bench. But why can't that option? 
option be Carlos Sanchez? Why can't he start from the beginning? And if he starts from the beginning of the game, you might even see an even better player because he's coming into games halfway through or with 20 minutes left to go. He's having to get up to tempo really, really quickly. If he starts games, I mean, he had a really good shot in the second half as well that that nearly made it into the back of the net. I mean, he's he's got a little bit of everything. Um, So, yeah, definitely, um, definitely, Ben. Good good shout for, for him to start as well. Yeah, I, I think he's definitely giving Cisco food for thought in that area as well. As Ben said, it sounds like, thank God, uh, Chalaba's going to be all right for, for the losing game. But um, if if Cisco was sort of dealt um, to sort of shuffle the pack, if you like, then he would um, he would definitely be my choice, uh, Carlos Sanchez. And, and like he says, we've we've got an able sort of replacement if Sanchez is looking a little bit leggy because I don't know the last time he played a full 90 minutes but uh, we've got Dan Gosling to, to come on as well who's who's out and and don't forget as well I don't know if Cleverly's going to be back for the Luton game but if you throw him into the mix as well um, I, I just think that we, we're really starting to see that squad depth that we've got at the moment and I am uh, it's it's showing why we're doing so well. It really, really is. It's a um, shame that we're not able to go to games in that because you know when we did like appreciation day for Danny Graham when we was all wearing um, yes. best in that. Maybe yes, we yes. could have done an appreciate that appreciation day for Carlos Sanchez and all wore, wore like <laughs> fake afros or something. Yeah, sombreros. <laughs> yeah, sombreros or whatever. I was going to say, what can you associate Colombia with? But we uh, we we won't talk about. We'll that. leave that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say, yeah, we'll <laughs> leave that one. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, the, the the next change as well was that. So I imagine that was sort of forced the the Sanchez change with Chalaba. But the next change uh, was definitely forced because of injury. William Trusta Kong, um, good to see him go off. I know he had a bad game, but. Hopefully, you know, he's obviously an important leader to have around the place. Um, so hopefully he's not out for too long. But I must say, Ben, I was very impressed with Craig, Craig Kafka, easy for me to say, uh, when, when he came on. I, I thought he, he was superb. I didn't think he put a foot wrong. I thought he slotted in really well. I don't think you would notice. If you started watching a game, I don't think you would have noticed that Cathcart was only just joined the pitch. So yeah, mm. fitted in really um, nicely. And I, I did worry when he came on because we've heard the last few weeks that the, the back four, they all speak different languages to each other. And then you throw Craig Cathcart into a mix. And I was like, how's um, Sirielsa going to communicate with him? Um, but they had a really good understanding. And I thought, yeah, that was really good. Yeah, yeah, it does make you laugh because obviously the Northern Irish accent is um, it's quite strong. So I, I do wonder how they communicate. I'm just looking now. The last song Craig Cathcart played a full 90 minutes for Watford was the 1-0 defeat to Bournemouth. Uh, and that, and that, that only feels the other week, but that was back in February. That was almost wow. two months ago. So, and obviously he played two full 90 minutes for Northern Ireland against Italy and then against Bulgaria at the, uh, the back end of March. But in terms of Watford, that's how long he's played. But James, do you agree with that? He, he, he looked like he, uh, he he'd, he'd been playing every week. He just slotted right in, didn't he? Oh yeah, I think so. And, and as as you said earlier, we've got loads of depth in the midfield, and and at centre back we've got lots lots of strength and depth as well. And, and Craig Cathcart only adds to that. You know, aside from Troy Deeney, I mean, Craig Cathcart is probably the next longest serving player at the club, and and he certainly has that experience. Um, you know, at Premier League level and, and Championship level as well. I mean, this this is definitely um, a good level for him to perform at. Um, but yeah, I mean, against against a you know a tough Redden attack, I thought I thought you know to come on um, as he did, you know, three quarters of the way through a game, I thought he done thought he done excellently well. 
Yeah, yeah, and I, I think we sort of rode that Reading storm in the first half and, and got through it. And then I think the the more the game went on, yes, it was uncomfortable to watch. But I think overall, if I didn't have my worrying Watford glasses on, um, then I, I think we actually dealt with it and we sort of was was more comfortable in the second half a little bit. I mean, um, the the next substitution that and the the final substitution was a double change, and it was a success coming on for Semmer and then Gray coming on for Pedro. Now, um, I, I don't like saying this, but I I think Semmer had a very quiet game again. I don't know if that's something you'd agree with, Ben, but he he, he just he just yeah, I don't, get I, into I, it. I, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one, isn't it? Yeah, I don't think he had a bad game. I just don't think we saw enough of him. Um, I don't know whether that's because of how good this Valsar was, um, maybe. But I don't think we saw Semmer get into a byline once or beating his man once. Or I don't think he really had opportunities to cross the ball into a box. I know for sure he, he definitely didn't have a, sh- a shot yesterday. So, yeah, it was just a quiet game. But maybe was that down to Redding marking him out of the game? But I think they was marking the wrong uh, winger out of the game. Um, I think... Maybe the man I matched yesterday was that Lewis Gibson because I thought he was atrocious yesterday. And what we got a lot, lot of joy down that right hand side. And as soon as they uh, subbed him off and brought on Richards, I thought that kind of stopped and saw getting away on that right hand side. Well, from I spoke to, I messaged the two Reading podcasts that I did a bit of uh, like work with this week, the mm. Tylehurst Ends and the Elm Park Royals, just to say, you know, is that team news? That When the team news was released, I said, is that what you expect? Is there any surprises? And they all said Lewis Gibson in for Richards, or um, like that was the, the only change. And you could tell that they, when they brought him on, I think they brought him on and then they brought someone else on along with him. That was their full strength 11. And then you thought, OK, this is where we might see him kicking together. But I thought I thought we we, we sort of handled them well, really. Um, now, the success one is one I was actually saying, because, again, I was watching it at my mate's house and I was saying, um, really, it could do with success coming on. And if we get the ball up there, he can hold it up. And I think that's what we've seen. Like It didn't take long for success to be sort of trying to hold it in the corner. So whether that's going to be his role this season is yeah. he comes on in the last sort of 10 when we when we turn it up or when we're 1-0 up or whatever, trying to see out games. Was he the perfect substitution for you, James, coming on then? Uh, I wouldn't say I'm success's biggest fan. Um, uh-huh. You know, I don't really want to see him starting games for us. I think, I think that front three of Semmer um, Pedro and, and Saar should be our starting front three, but but as an option to bring off the bench, um, you know, he can hold up the ball well, he, he can, you know, waste time and, and get these little fouls to, to win his free kicks. I think, I think he's, he's, he's good at doing that, um, but in terms of someone to bring on, I'd, I'd prefer maybe even a Stipe Peritza um, if he's available. I mean, we've not seen anything of Peritza. Um, you where know, is he? <laughs> yeah, yeah where, where is he? Like, I feel like you know, we, we need to do a crime watch appeal to find out where Stipe yeah, Peritza actually is. Find a missing persons report, I think, because <laughs> I don't know where Peritza is. I've seen him in some of Ben Foster's YouTube videos, but in terms of being in the match day squad, I've got no idea. So, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of what I expected, Mike. Um, but but I'd much prefer to see someone like Steve Peritza come on instead. Yeah, and it didn't take long for uh, Andre Gray to get in the mix. I think there was a ball put through. I can't remember who it was from, and um, it, it was sort of 
tussle between Andre Gray and their, their defender, found its way to Zinkenagel and he's put it over, which I think he's definitely got to be hitting the target there, or at least scoring, you'd expect. And that really would have put the game to bed. Um, and then, obviously, as James mentioned not long ago, Sanchez had that chance, which looked closer than it actually was on the second replay. Um, the yeah. second replay showed that it was quite some way wide, but when he hit it, I thought, oh my God, that's that's bulging the back of the net that is um, and then I think Reading's real chance um, I think their best chance well not the best chance because um, Puskas won in the first half but their best chance in the second half Aluko cracked it at the edge of the box and I tell you what we, we, we say that he's not tested and yes he's doing well but it's it's testament to his defence because he's not really tested Dan Backman to stay that alert because it's easy as a goalkeeper if your team is winning Two uh, 0 or you, you've got you've had nothing to do as such. It's very easy for a goalkeeper to switch off. So when they are called into action, it's very easy for a goalkeeper to like let let one in that they should really say. But that that was credit to Batman. I thought he he produced a fine save and he got down very quickly to to deny Luco. And you know I still have nightmares of Luco because he absolutely ran the show back in October. I think it was when we played mm-hmm. at the Medeski. Um but I yeah. don't just think it was a fine save. I think it was a fine performance from Dan Batman. I think yeah. it's probably one of his best performances in the Watford shirt um, because he's not, like you say, he's not really been def- uh, tested with the defence that we've had in front of him this season. We've, we've yeah. kind of limited oppositions to get into the box and have shots on target and that. But yesterday, he produced five saves and I think... He- Yesterday was the game where he, he probably kept Watford into the game as well. I know there was lots of little saves, but that was a big save to to keep hold of that Aluko shot as well because Aluko didn't just um, didn't just have a shot. He he lethal that shot. And yeah. I'm surprised he did very well to keep hold of that to get his body behind that and uh, keep hold of it because there would have been Reading players to try and follow that up to get that in. So yeah, big mm. performance from um, Dan Batman and his distribution as well. Um, yeah. I don't think we mentioned it. Um, in the first half, it was for that Pedro chance, wasn't it? The first chance in four minutes, it was Dan Backman's long ball, pinpoint accuracy to find Ismail Saar, wasn't it? To to get him away and then they, he found Pedro and he dragged it wide. So yeah, that's the best performance we've seen of Dan Backman in a Watford shirt, bar his penalty saves. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And his handling yesterday as well, I thought was, was top notch. He's think grown that... with confidence. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah, completely agree. There's, um, there's no debate over Batman or Ben Foster now, is there? You, you've not seen no. it on Twitter or anyone. No one's mentioning it. Everyone's happy with Dan Batman because it's his own spot now. Mm-hmm. It's his to lose. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Completely agree. Uh, and I'm sure the listeners listening uh, will, will agree as well. Um, but luckily, we got through that six minutes. of I couldn't believe it was six minutes. Um, but we got through the six minutes and we... Got to the final whistle and just can't get enough was ringing around the stadium because we'd won 2-0. Uh, the, the possession stats were in Reading's favour, 53 to our 46. 11 shots in total for Watford, two on target. 17 shots for Reading, five on target. Three corners for Watford, two for Reading. 401 passes uh, for Watford and 451. So, you know, it wasn't a straightforward 2-0 victory, but... Um, you know, it's absolutely massive. And I just want to say as well, um, seven home league wins in a row now. And that's the first time since October 1985 under Graham Taylor. Oh, that's so, absolutely unreal, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I loved what Watford Twitter, uh, the Watford Twitter account did after. 
who's your man of the match tonight? Ishmael Asar, Ishmael Asar, or Ishmael Asar? Um, <laughs> I went for the middle one, and it seems like I drew the short straw because um, the top one's won. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> but yeah, um, on a whole, it was you know job done. Three points with twelve points clear now of Brentford, who play Preston today. <laughs> Uh, we're, we're all Preston fans today. Uh, we're all Millwall fans today as well. And do you know what? Millwall is a tough, tough place to go. So do not be surprised if Millwall hold Swansea to a nil-nil draw or even maybe they've, nick it. They've got a good home record, haven't they? Like they you said have. last week, really good clean sheets as well. Mm, yeah, I think Bil- Bilowski, uh, Bilkowski, yeah, sorry. He's, uh, he's one of the most clean sheets in the league. Um, and yeah, they, they're very, very. They set up really well at home, and this new manager bounce for Preston seems to be uh, seems to be working. So um, they got a win at Swansea, and then they got a draw against Norwich. And what a running that is, by the way, Norwich, Swansea, and then Brentford. So hopefully they can um, they can they can keep that up today. And you know, uh, a good good friend of mine is a is a Preston fan, so I'll be bombarding him with messages, getting him to keep me up to date with the scores. But um, I, I I was umming and ahhing about mentioning this, but I um I've recently become very very superstitious, um purely because of how well we're doing. So I bought the 2008 uh, home shirt, and obviously I've got it, but into I, that won't fit me now. Like I've got it when I bought it back then. So I I, I saw it going cheap on ClassicFootballShirts.co.uk, um, mm. and I bought it, and the first time I wore it, I watched it. Uh, watched us against Wickham when we won two 0 and I've wa- I've worn it every single game since then when we've been on TV and when I've watched it on Hive Live and we've not lost. We've only the in fact it's almost a hundred percent record apart from um, Easter Monday against uh, Middlesbrough. But um, yeah, I've only recently become superstitious. I'm wearing that top now, um, so that that is I'll make sure that that is washed and dried. Did you and go ready. to bed in it last night? I didn't go to bed in it. No, I um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I uh, but I I've only have recently you gone become, to bed, Mike. <laughs> I have gone to bed. Yes, I was up at bloody six this morning. I couldn't believe that. Um, but yeah, um, so it's, I've become very superstitious with that sort of thing. So I will be making sure that this shirt gets. This shirt is what I will be wearing every week till the the end of the season now because it seems to be doing a good job. Um, is that also the same shirt you spilled kebab down as well? It is indeed. Um, Did you get the kebab stain out? Do you know what? My mum's done a cracking job at getting the kebab stain out. Um, yeah, yeah, mum's a great lot, that, isn't they? So, um, but yeah, it's, luckily it is out. Um, good stuff. We're going to go to an ad break and then we're going to be answering your questions and then we're just going to talk about some, some injury news and then we're going to wrap up the show by just having our thoughts on the uh, the M1 derby next week. So, yeah, we're going to go to an ad break. Join us for part two. Voices of the Vic is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in the men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. Join the movement for all your below-the-waist grooming needs. Get 20% off now and free delivery with the code VOTV at manscaped.com. Manscaped has just launched in the UK, and we've gone years without using the right tools for the job. You can be one of the first men in the UK to experience their life-changing 
products. That's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. The Manscaped engineering team has perfected the greatest ever ball trimmer ever created and just released a new and improved lawnmower 3.0 in the UK. The third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents. Yeah. Um, when I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. It's waterproof as well, so it allows you to groom in the shower. And one of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show off your mower loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by just USB. So if you're listening right now, I want you to experience that firsthand for yourself. Let's get that bush to the touch clean. It's 20% off plus free delivery with the code VOTV at manscaped.com. Make your testies your besties. <laughs> get 20% off at f- and free delivery with the code VOTV at manscaped.com and your balls will thank you. Yes, welcome back to part two of Voices of the Vic. Thank you very much. We hope you enjoyed part one. Uh, we, we are really, really enjoying these at the moment and uh, yeah, it's now my, my favourite part of the show. Uh, we're going to answer the questions that you guys got in. Uh, as always, thanks as always for, for the questions. They're, they're absolutely brilliant. Uh, I think we've sort of touched on this one, Ben. We, we, we've had a question from Caroline here and she said, with our dip in performance since international break, do you think clubs have the right to restrict players going on international duty for friendlies mid-season? Now, I think we sort of touched on this last week, didn't we? We sort of said... Yeah. Yes, we would like it, but at the same time, you you might be denying someone of their first ever international call up. So it's a bit of a sticky one, isn't it? Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a sticky one, and I think it, you just cause club versus country rails, and mm. it's it's a bit unhealthy as well, and could upset the morale of a player as well. I mean, if if you deny him a chance to play for his country, who knows at the end of the season if things don't work out. He, he could easily put in a transfer request saying, well, you didn't let me go play for my country. If he did, I would have quite happy to stick around and that's a, it's, it's a tough one. Ideally, as a fan, we don't want our players to go away playing international football because we don't want them to pick up niggly injuries that affect the momentum that we're on at the moment. We're chasing um, promotion and yeah. we don't want any key players to pick up injuries. So as a selfish, selfish point of view, we don't want that. But realistically, we'd love our players to represent. Like back in the day when Watford weren't that great, um, yeah. like back back in the days when we had like Malky McKay, Sean Dice, we would have loved international calls call ups. Now we're getting like eleven players being called up representing their countries. Just shows how far we've came as a football club. Yeah, yeah, completely, completely agree. And, um, you know, luckily, we've not lost since the turn of the international break, but we can definitely see a difference in in, in the style of play. Uh, James, we'll, we'll start with you on this next one because I'm going to do some quick fire ones. Um, the Steve, uh, at one only Steve D, has said pork pies or sausage rolls. Oh, sausage rolls for me. Oh, I do love, a, I do love a, I do love a Greg sausage roll, Mike, I've got to say. Not a fan of the pork pie, James? No, not really. I do bit like, of mustard. Like, oh, no, no. 
it's not really for me, Mike. Maybe it's a northern thing. I, I think they are northern things. Are you, are you going sausage roll as well, Ben? Um, I, I've grown to love pork pies much more lately because I was yeah. during lockdown. I was, I was there's not much on TV. I actually watched documentaries of how they actually <laughs> made pork pies <laughs> in, in a factory. So I actually went out and bought loads of pork pies and I can't yeah. stop eating them at the moment. So, but if if sausage rolls are going to edge it for me, um, still just. Okay. Um, sticking with the food theme, uh, one of our regular listeners, uh, Jamie Davies, has said, "What is your typical match day meal?" Now, with with me, we always used to go to walkabout, and you, you'd get you get a discount if you got a season ticket on food. So uh, I just used to, I, I I don't know what a typical a typical match day meal for me is probably quite a few pints of lagers. Six lagers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and what, have you got a, a, a specific match day meal, Ben, that you have? or? Um, not really. Just the burger van outside. Oh, yeah. Um, that would be it. That's the only place we'd normally go to get something to eat. So, yeah, just... And uh, M-Tide chip it be? as well. It, it, would be a, it would be a half a pounder with cheese I'd yeah. go for. Good man. James? With onions. Uh, I've got I've got a couple of choices. I mean I mean Mackey's McDonald's is probably my first my first go to choice. You love mm-hmm. a good McDonald's before a match, but Mackey's in- I used to do that when I was ten. <laughs> <laughs> God, I'm being attacked today in this happy podcast. meal. Blimey. Make sure he gets that toy. Oh yeah, I, love, I do love the, the happy toy, meal toy. Love it. <laughs> love yeah. getting my plastic toy. But they've also opened them oh, um, in what the town centre. They've, they've got um like a pizza place. It's it's like subway. It's like a subway for pizzas basically. So you go in. Opposite KFC, yeah, that's the one, Ben. Yeah, 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 yeah. You go in and you kind of like uh, you pick your size of pizza, pick your toppings, and and they they bake it for you right there and then. So yeah, I don't mind going in there a few times a season either. Mm. Uh, And he's also asked if Watford do go up via automatics, who would you want to win the playoffs, James? Oh God, that's tough. Uh, That's a good question. So us Norwich, and then who else do I like to go up? Probably Barnsley. I've got. Yeah. I, I think Barnsley have done really well this season, especially with, with the budget they're on and, and the players they've got. So I'd probably have to say Barnsley for me. Are you going with Barnsley as well, Ben? Um, yeah, I don't think you can take it away from Barnsley. Um, they definitely deserve a spot in the Premier League after what they've done on the budget as well. What I like about them is they've got a philosophy, so they're, they're slowly turning into what Swansea do. They've, they've got a style of play and then they go out and find the manager that fits that and then they, they carry on playing the same um, football in that. Like we used to do that when we started off doing a 3-5-2, didn't we? When we were yeah. back in the championship, we were trying to do that. And I think it works superbly for them. Um, but if I'm going to be tactical, I want a worse team to get promoted so then they finish below <laughs> us and then we've got a better chance of yeah, getting, yeah. staying up next season. So in that case, I'd say Reading. <laughs> Reading. Oh, Jesus. Uh, yeah, no, I, 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 it's a typical one. I think I always like seeing new teams in the Premier League. So I think for that, I know Barnsley have been in the Prem before, but uh, for that, I, I will say Barnsley because it has been a while. Um, but if big I'm... clubs would hate Barnsley going up as well. You know, like everyone was like, "Oh, Leeds deserves to be in the Prem because they're a big club." And then I love it if Barnsley got promoted because it really pissed everyone off. Yeah, mate, <laughs> don't get me started on that. Like, I obviously live in Nottinghamshire, and Nottingham Forest fans think that they should be in the Premier League because of the size of the club. And you know, it's almost as if the way that it's decided who's in the Premier League is based on merit. And uh, yeah, that's the way that they're doing at the moment seems to be working. So yeah, it's it's very, very odd. Um, 
yeah, uh, so that, that's who we'd pick, Jamie. We, we, I think we're going to get this question pretty much every week now. Um, how many more points do you think we need, James, to uh, to get second place? George well, Edwards has asked that, by the way. Yeah, thanks for the question, George. And I know mathematically uh, last night, I think it was 13 points. We obviously won that game, so I think it's down to 10 points mathematically, mathematically now. I'd mm-hmm. probably say... Um, I'm expecting Brentford, Swansea and some other teams below us to, to still drop more points. So I don't think it will be another 10 points. I'd probably say um, six six or seven points, I reckon. I, I think I think that's that's probably okay. a reasonable amount of points. So you would say, what, two wins um, minimum? Yeah, two, two wins and then and maybe two, two wins, wins and a draw. draw. Yeah. 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 Ben, you, any differ to that? or? Yeah, James is right. It's 10 points mathematically, but that, that means Brentford would have to win every single game for us to get 10 points um, to get promotion. Um, I think we'll probably just need four points to get promotion because I, I do see them oh. slipping up. And like today as well, I think I think they could possibly lose today um, against yes, okay. Preston. Uh, is it at Preston? Yes, it is, yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't think they're as great on the road lately. Well, they've just drawn four games in a row, haven't they? Yeah. So their form... It's really poor, and I don't think Ivan Tony scored for a few games either. No, he. Um, I, I, we, we're probably massively jinxing all of this, by the way. But um, he, he hasn't scored for a while, uh, and the fact that they're away as well, the fact that they're, they're now twelve points behind us, and they're both away from home today, is a massive, massive factor. Um, yeah. I think I think two more wins will do it for us. I'm going to stick my neck out on the line. Um, we've obviously got Luton on Saturday, and then it's uh, Norwich. Um, I think we could, do you know what, if, if we really up for it, if we win at Luton, I think we could scrape a draw at Carrow Road and I'd, I'd snap my hand off for a draw right now. So, uh, oh, yeah, yeah I, I think two more wins. Um, <laughs> Chris Bone regularly sends uh, questions in and he said, will Mike give a demonstrator of the Lawnmower 3.0? He's on about the um, the Manscaped thing that we do. <laughs> Unfortunately, there won't be any demonstrations of that. Uh, we do have a YouTube No one wants to see that. that. <laughs> I think um, we'd probably get banned from ever uploading again, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd be quickly off the air. My, my dreams and hopes would be dashed very quickly. Um, Martin Fletcher's asked, uh, James, we'll come with to you first on this. Um, yeah. Do you think we will go and beat them for the rest of the season? Oh, it, I mean, it's. I mean, you mentioned the running earlier that we've got left, Mike. I mean, obviously the looting game. I mean, that's a derby game. You know, they're always going to be up for that, as are we. So, so that can go anyway. And then you, you still mentioned Norwich, Swansea, Brentford. I mean, we could get beaten in any any of them games. So, yeah. do I think we'll go unbeaten? Probably not, but. Watching the performance last night, watching us get them two goals, I was pleasantly surprised. So, so positive thinking, I'd like to say yes, but the quality of teams we've got left to play, um, I think it'll be really tough for us to do that. Ben? I don't think so either. I think it's it's tough. We've got tough games to play and teams are fighting for, for promotion and that, so it's going to be really tough. I think we could possibly slip up at Norwich. Uh, Norwich might probably need that game to get promotion and um, that day as well because I think I only need five more points so yeah if they, so who, if they I don't know today, who they got today I mean, not they too got sure someone um, shit today I think probably um, yeah. so yeah if they win today and then win against us the week after yeah I think they've just got that to try and play for so I'm going to say no but I think we'll lose to Norwich but we'll end up being unbeaten for the rest of the season They've got Derby away today, by the way. Um, uh, Derby's hit and miss, aren't they? Yeah, really? they are. So maybe they got a result against Brentford a few weeks ago. 
they did indeed. Yeah. So yeah, who knows? Um, but I I would be very surprised. Um, in fact, you know what? I'm going to be different. I'm going to say yeah, but there's going to be a couple of draws thrown into the mix. I think we can draw yeah. at Norwich. Um, I think we will draw with Brentford away, but I fancy us for the rest of the home games. I think we'll win the rest of the home games. So, Martin, yes, we will, in my opinion. Um, my old man, Mike Smart, said, what happened in Corrie tonight? Do you watch Corrie? Corrie wasn't on last night because of the sad news of Prince Philip passing away. So, uh, I don't think anything happened in Corrie tonight, uh, last night, unfortunately. Um, and then, Alan, as well, the second to last question, Alan Lathwell said, what colour trunk should I wear in a pond? It's got to be yellow and black, hasn't it, boys? Oh, of course, of course. Yeah, yes. I don't know. To you Watford, don't Shelf do anything different. I'm, I'm just hoping it's trunks and not speedos. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully we'll uh, we'll all be there soon, uh, socially distanced. And then to last to to end the questions on James Hurst, who's another regular listener and re- uh, regular sender of questions. What's the best ice cream flavour? So we'll, we'll start with that first, James. Do you want to go first on that one? Uh, probably going to say chocolate mint. Is that a good Oh, shout? yes. Bing, bing, bing. Winner. Um, <laughs> I would have gone with that as well. Have you got one, Ben? Yeah, you can't beat chocolate mint um, all day long. Yeah, that's solid, solid answer. And then that's, ben... a, that's very rare that we all agree with James, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, You're doing it's something rare, right now, James. Oh, thank you very much. Appreciate the support. <laughs> <laughs> um, ben, which match do you think we'll get promoted at? Uh, I know Millwall. Which one. Yeah, Millwall for me at home. James, you got any different? Yeah, I know people were saying last week, I think it was going to be mathematically possible for us to get promoted at Luton, but I don't think that's obviously the case anymore. No. Um, so so hopefully it is the Millwall game. And, and yeah, hopefully we can get, get it wrapped up, get it wrapped yeah. up as soon as possible because I don't want to be dragging it out for too long. Um, you know, I think it's what the team have enough quality to, to get it done quite quickly. So yeah, the Millwall game for me. Yeah, I, um, I was hoping to book the Monday off because I was going to party all weekend. But unfortunately for me, in my area of work, it's our busiest week of the month on that Monday. So, uh, yeah, that, that won't be happening. I'll have to go into work with a, a very, very sore head. Um, but they're the questions, guys. Thank you so, so much to, for, for sending them in. Like we, we love looking forward to the, the questions. Where I, when we put the tweet out, me and Ben can't wait to see what some of the questions are. So, And it's a good mix of, hopefully you guys think it's a good mix of, Watford questions and then the odd silly question as well, which we're more than happy to uh, to debate over. Um, we just got a few more topics before I want to get quickly uh, you you guys' thoughts on the the Luton game and then a, an early score prediction as well. Obviously, as I've mentioned, that most home home wins in the football league Premier League season. Um, that was 18 in the 1977-78 season. Uh, we are currently on 17, which is the moment wow. uh, which we'd got in 1959-60 as well. So we've got That's two incredible. more home games to play. Um, no, three more home games to play. Um, and yeah. we're only one win behind equaling the, the record. So I think we can do it. I think we can do it. And as I've mentioned, obviously, seven home league wins in a row. That's the first time since October 1885. Uh, uh, massive thanks to Ben for the, getting all these stats together, by the way. And then just on the injury front as well, as we mentioned, Nathaniel Chalabar and William Trustekong should be able to play this weekend against Luton Town, according to uh, Cisco Munoz. He, uh, he said that to the Watford Observer. Cleverly, as we know, suffered a small setback to his return from a knee ligament strain last uh, the, the day before 
Sheffield Wednesday match, but um, he was hoping to be fit for yesterday's match. But whether it was just a precaution that they didn't put him on the bench, I don't know. So maybe we will see him. Well, it's a, good to see him enjoying the stands actually yesterday as well. I am they, they celebrating that. along with the players. Yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, I am liking that. Um, and then Troy Deeney has um, progressed to a running program, so he's he's hoping to. You know, he's working back from an early Achilles tendon tear, which sounds incredibly, incredibly painful. And then um, October's ACL injury for uh, Sondeli Bashiru's. He's now undertaking some specific knee strengthening exercises, working outside and getting on well, which uh, is brilliant. I, I, Did I you watch like that video that. of him the other week from what we put out I've on not watched it. Twitter? Uh, it's good to see um, back out on the training field, um, not like contact football yeah. like with everyone else but there was running drills and he was actually working with a ball as well and yeah it, it was good to see him back out there I've got to say Ben that's the first time in that video I've heard Ismail Assar speak English as well yeah same <laughs> I was really impressed his English is actually not too bad yeah now. I, I, I really like that it. yeah yeah no go have a look because I, I was under the illusion that he he can't speak any English at all and he, he struggles that. to communicate with people but yeah his English is actually really good uh, well, I don't know. I think it was only released today, maybe, or last night. But Ben Foster put the um, his recent video up. And João Pedro seems to be picking up more English as, as he's going along as well, which is good. Because I know he'd obviously be struggling. Um, and then just um, a bit of, bit more news from, from the Hornets camp. Transfer news-wise, uh, we've confirmed now that Craig Dawson will sign a permanent contract with West Ham at the end of the season. Uh, he met the clauses within the terms of his loan. Um, he made he joined in July 2019 and made 30 appearances for us, scoring two goals against Leicester and Norwich. Uh, that brilliant overhead kick from Leicester. That, our first ever podcast that was, uh, reviewing that. Um, he moved to London Stadium on a season-long loan in October 2020, and he's made 15 appearances in all competitions for West Ham. Uh, and then just some news away from transfers. Watford have hired a US... This is thanks to you, by the way, James, because I, I, oh. I saw this on, on your Twitter. So, um, And I, I don't know if that's where Ben's seen it as well, but we've yeah. hired US sports agency, Rhino Marketing and Gemini, uh, Gemini Sports Group to sell both kit sponsorship rights and potential naming rights for a proposed new stadium so it, the, we really want to go global and like you know with that stuff with changing the badge a few years yeah. ago and everything else it, it seems like we're really pushing to go global which is brilliant it really really is um, I'd love to get James a uh, quick take on the stadium view because obviously you and me have spoke about it on a podcast lately uh, Mike so yeah. what, what would your uh, views be on a potential move away from Vicky Road to uh, Bushy Hall um, Golf Course? Um, well, I, I kind of I went on the council website a couple of days ago, and, and there's a 17-page document on there that that kind of goes through everything in a lot more detail that, than that Watford Observer article did. Um, but obviously, I love the look of a new stadium. I think that if we're looking to progress as a club, um, I think it is the right way to go. Um, but but on the on the other hand, I completely understand why why people want to stay at Vicarage Road, and and I know they are also looking at ways to to expand Vicarage Road as well, um, in any way mm. they can, and and obviously for Watford Town Centre itself, I mean it's beneficial for for local businesses if Watford stay obviously obviously local to the town centre so it is it's a huge decision for the club to make um obviously I put that tweet out about us hiring um you know them them two US companies to to kind of look for for sponsorship deals and naming rights and and it looks like the club are are progressing forward with it so for me personally um 
yes, I, I would love a new stadium, but but equally, I mean, I, I would be so sad to leave Vicarage Road. But 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 you know, I, I don't mind what happens either way. If we expand Vicarage Road, fantastic. Let's let's stay at the Vic. But if we look to move to a new stadium. I think we should only look to do that really if we're stable, stable in the Premier League because it's a huge investment in terms of money to make. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think you've made some good points there, James, and, you know, about the local businesses missing out. Walkabout will be gutted when I don't visit them and spend a load of money on beer the, the, before the game. So, yeah. Um, one thing we were all worried about last night, Munaf has obviously won the award for Skybet Championship Manager of the Month uh, for March. Now, it was only before kickoff I realised, well, we've actually played games since March. So that manager of the month curse probably has, has gone anyway, but it definitely has. Um, and then just finishing on that news, uh, on the news is Ignacio Pacetto has actually said that he wants to stay with Udinese, even if Watford returns to the Premier League. Um, he's currently recovering from an injury. And he said in an interview for La Gazeta dello Sport, he said he has no interest in returning to England. So I don't blame him, to be honest. He, he's he never settled over here and um you know he's, he he obviously likes it over in um, over in Udinese now just to wrap up the pod on because I know we're, we're a bit pushed for time but we've obviously got a big big game on Saturday in terms of the the M1 derby now I know we've spoke before uh you personally James your sort of age group would yeah. sort of look at Bournemouth as more of a rivalry than than, than Luton and you know mm-hmm. that there's nothing wrong with that but Luton is obviously a massive, massive game for us. Uh, if you can just quickly sum up what you're expecting from Luton um, and then uh, finish on a score prediction, that would be amazing. Oh, of course. And, and yeah, obviously, any time you play Luton, it, it, it is going to be a big game for Watford. And, and actually, it's a shame that Troy Deeney isn't back for this either because I don't know if you remember in, in the previous fixture, um, he, he came off the bench and, and, and gave, I can't remember who it was, but he gave him a right walloping when um, when he that, threw the ball at Jeremy Ngakia. The guy who's at Jews, Stoke now, isn't it? Jewsbury Hall. He oh, yeah, Stoke. that's it. Oh, he's a, he's a right knobby, he is. So, so yeah. <laughs> Go on, James. <laughs> yeah. Go on. Got James swearing on the pod. <laughs> All right, Nobby. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Will from the in between, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> I'll take I'll take that as a compliment then. I'll take that as a compliment. Definitely. Um, no, look, it is, it is going to be tough, of course. But look, I mean, the quali- you know the difference on, on in quality between us and Luton is is quite clear. I think I think they're eleventh or twelfth in the table at the moment. Um, they're having um, you know a mess season. That they're not going, they're not fighting for promotion. They're not they're not fighting against relegation. They're kind of just in the middle. Um, I know a lot of their fans. This is the game they have been looking forward to um, for, for quite a while now. So so they'll be up for it. I'm up for it. Um, I'm probably obviously going to predict a Watford win, but it is going to be tough. I hope so. Oh, 2-0 to Watford, 2-0 to Watford. Yeah, OK. Ben, your score prediction? Yeah, like James says, they're, they're a sticky patch of fob, really. They're way to Wickham today. Wickham are doing really well at the moment, I must say. Yeah. Um, getting results when they must need it. But going into the game, um, they've just lost to Barnsley. They've lost to Derby. So they've lost their last two games. Um, I think we can go there with confidence. I'm looking forward to the game um, and I think we will win. Uh, I think we could win quite comfortably as well. I'm going to go for a 3-0 Watford away oh, win. God, I thought that number four was going to come out of your mouth again, Ben. I still can't <laughs> believe you did that. I couldn't believe this. I, we, we are pushed for time, so I don't want to go on too much. But Ben, uh, me and Ben often share the duty of um, 
doing the predictions for the Prutton Prediction Podcast for Sky Sports. And uh, I didn't know Ben had done it. <laughs> and I saw the link. We, we got tagged in the link. So I listened. And we were the first one up because obviously playing on Friday. And uh, Simeon, uh, who, who hosts it, said, uh, Watford fan Ben Ayton, he's, he's feeling confident for this one. He's gone for a 4-1 Watford win. And I almost <laughs> fell off my chair. I was like, what? And uh, I text Ben straight after. I said, 4-1? Are you off your rocker? Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll agree with that. I, I, I think it is going to be a comfortable game. We're going to be up for it. They're going to be up for it. I'm going to go 3-0 as well uh, to, to wrap up the show. So yeah, 3-0. But um, myself and Ben will be back next week, obviously, after that game. Hopefully another Derby Day win for, for, for Watford's after the reverse fixture winning 1-0. Uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, James, as, as always. We hope that everyone much. has enjoyed it. Um, let us know your thoughts on the podcast. And yeah, things are things are going really good for Watford at the moment. And, and we're loving doing these podcasts. So from myself, Mike Duffy, my co-host Ben Ayton and James Batchelor, thank you very, very much for continuing to listen to the Voices of the Vic. Stay safe and come on, you ones. <laughs> Podcast Network.